Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Starting over the last nine months, um, looking at the whole story of God from Genesis, and we're making our way to Revelation. It's been really beautiful to, to see what God's heart is for us. What is the story of the Bible? So from the Garden of Eden to Abraham to the Jews in Egypt to their deliverance during their, the night of Passover to their wandering in the desert to the law of Moses to the tabernacle to, and the worship and the sacrificial system in the tabernacle to the promised land to the evil kings to the prophets to the judgments to the exile to King David to the birth and life and death and burial and resurrection of Jesus, we've discovered this, that the heart of God from the beginning was to save the world, the nations, you and me, and bring us into his family. It's his heart. It has been from day one. He loves you and he had a plan. And so all of the, as we've seen, all of the, the Old Testament was pointing to Jesus. And what we found is that the Bible is all about Jesus. If you miss that, you're going to miss what God is saying. That Jesus, we know now in the New Testament, Jesus lived for us. He died for our sins. He rises for sinners. Jesus ascends to heaven. He sits at the right hand of the Father. And as he ascended, he sent the Holy Spirit to come and dwell in us to give us power to do what he's called us to do. The whole thing was, was planned by God. And it was all about Jesus, about God creating a people with one heart. Everybody say one heart. With one mind, say one mind. And one spirit, say one spirit. He's creating a family. And he left us with a purpose, though, to carry out. Now, we need to understand that as we look in the Old Testament, we see all of, this, all of these stories and we see God's care of the people. But when we get to the new covenant, God sets up, actually his, his story continues, he sets up another model to care for his people. And today I wanna look at what that is and I want us to, to lean in and, and have an understanding of what that is. And he also set up this structure that we're gonna talk about today to carry out his purpose, his will, on the earth because God has entrusted you and entrusted us with something that's fantastic but he does it in a way that maybe some of us don't understand and so I want to understand how do we fulfill God's will on the earth today what was his original plan as we got to the new covenant did it just stop at Jesus and now we just continue to do whatever or was there another plan that God set into place that he wants us to understand so that he can bless our lives and he can use us to do something great. So what was the will of Jesus? What did Jesus want to continue after we've been on this incredible journey? What did he want to continue on the earth for your life, for your children, for generations to come? Jesus tells us the purpose. I want you to hear it today. We've heard this a lot, but sometimes we, we slot it to something else. This is the purpose of Jesus. After his, his, his resurrection, he walked with the disciples. He taught while he, after his resurrection. And this is what he told them. At, before he ascended to heaven, he said in Matthew 28, go 
and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded. So this understanding, what main vehicle did God, did Jesus expect this to be done on the earth? I don't know if you've ever thought about that before. What was it that God, his plan was from the Garden of Eden to Jesus after the resurrection, through the infilling of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, how did he expect this to be done? Is it just random? Just, oh, it be done and somehow it be done and this person goes and, goes and, and, and does it? It actually isn't. And what many people don't understand is that there is this reality of how this is brought forth on the planet, which actually gives us an incredible purpose if we would embrace it. He created what's called the local church. The local church, that's us. And so I want to lean in today a little bit to, to understand that the main vehicle that God, according to the Bible, wants to carry out his purpose on the earth and for your life is through what we call the church. There's a lot of opinions about what the church really is. There's a lot of opinions. There's a lot of Christians who don't really understand what a church is. They don't understand the function of the church. Some think that it's, uh, you know, churches, well, hey, listen, I hang out, I hang out on Sundays with my, with my three other bros on the golf course, listening to K-Love, that's my church. Now listen, that sounds nice, but that's not church. That sounds good, but that's not church. That's not biblical church. Or some say, well, our families, we have some families that we hang out and we read the Bible and we eat dinner and we have accountability and, and that's church. No, that's good. You should do that. But that's not the biblical church. That's not the structure that God set up to actually care for you. Some will say, well, I, I listen to worship music. I pray, I, I, maybe you go to a Christian school or, or you go to chapel at a Christian school or you watch YouTube videos and sermons and you've got your five favorite preachers. I know I'm one of them, but you got five of them that, that you watch in your home and you're like, yeah, but that's my church. No, that's good, especially if I'm one of them, but that's not, that's not church. That's not biblical church. And maybe you say, well, listen, I, I just belong to the global church. I just go to this church and that church and I'm, I'm involved in that church. And when they do something cool, I go to that church. And when I, I go to this church, and, you know, I just belong. I just feel like God's called me just to be a, a, just a wandering churchgoer. That sounds good. That's not church. Now, most of those aren't wrong, except for that last one. Most of them aren't wrong. But they're not church. Most would define church. You'd say, uh-uh, Jason, no, I disagree, because I've got a scripture that I'm going to use. I'm going to tell you, Jason, and it shows you that I know what church is. And here's the reality. The scripture I'm about to use is what most people use regarding church. Now, again, again, why are we looking at this? Because God set up a, a, a plan, a structure to take care of you, to protect you, to protect us. 
And that's called the local church. But what most people would define, yeah, I can do whatever I want because Matthew 18, 20 says, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. See, Jesus said that if there's two or three of us, we got church. That sounds good, except that passage is about church discipline. And nobody likes that. What this is about, someone is in sin. And so either, the, either a person has been sinned against or they know someone is in sin. So they go to them in the church and they go, hey, brother, I know you're in sin. And God wants you to repent. He wants, you to, he, he wants to restore things in your life. If that brother says, uh-uh, I'm good. God loves me. God is love. God is grace. God is love. I can do what I want. There is no such thing as sin when you're a believer and you know, it's okay. Then the guy would say, okay, you're still in sin. You need to repent. Then that, then that guy will go and get another guy. Hey, get another leader in the church. Say, hey, will you come with me? Let's chat with so-and-so. They're in sin and they're, they're, they're just not repenting. Okay? So you go to them. You say, hey, listen. This, I brought so-and-so because we love you. We don't want the sin to take hold in your life. You need to repent. God has a purpose for you. And if, if they, he says, no, I'm sorry. I have a scripture that I use that's out of context that I just found my sin. We can say, you say, brother, listen, you shouldn't. You need to repent. Or then if he says no, then you go get another person. You go and you confront. It's for the purpose of church discipline. And so through that, what Jesus is saying, hey, where, there, where two or three are gathered in my name. Because it's hard. As church leaders, it's hard confronting people who are in sin. But what Jesus is saying, hey, listen, I know it's hard, but two or three, as you go and confront for the good of that person, I'm with you. I'm behind you. I'm for you. I care for them enough to confront them. So go and do that. That's what that passage is about. It's about dealing with sin in the church. So then what is the church? God, from the beginning of time, has been working to bring us into his church, not just globally the church, but to set us in what's called a local church. And God places us in a local church for a reason. And so the question is for us, what is a good, solid, biblical church? What is it? So we come to Acts chapter 2. We know this, that the Holy Spirit has shown up before this passage. It's shown up as Jesus promised. It showed up as the prophet Joel and, and Moses and many others had, have prophesied in the Old Testament. And Peter, after he is filled with the Holy Spirit, the New Testament church has been birthed. Jesus has risen. He's given them the Great Commission, which we just read. Peter, Acts 2.38, stands and he begins to preach. He says, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, thank God, for all whom the Lord your God will call. And he goes on, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and all 3,000 were added to their number that day. So this is such a, this is what, what happened. Peter preached the gospel. It was amazing. 
There was a great out, outcome. It's a remarkable response for this message of, from Peter. He's preaching. Now, we, we didn't read the, the whole sermon. And actually, the whole sermon isn't even recorded because it says with many other words. So if you think I need to preach shorter, actually, the Bible says I need to use many other words. Okay? It's just the way it is. Just kidding. And so there was this response of people were cut to the heart. People gave their lives to Jesus. There was this response. It's a new day. The, the church has been born. There's a new. Now, now the doors have been flung open for all people to receive salvation. And this is right here. This is when they are saved. This is the birth of the global church. The birth of the global church. But the church isn't just about Christians around the world that God makes up the global church with what is called the local church. The church locally is God's plan for his will and purpose to be manifested on the earth. Now, if we don't believe that, then we won't act that way. But I believe that God has something for us as a church Uniquely, local body, those who call faith church their home. Something that, is, that he's entrusted to us to bring forth that will impact and lead many people to Christ. That we ourselves will be a part of a supernatural happening that happens in our midst. But here's, here's the important thing that I want to look at today. In order for you to see and experience what the biblical church saw and experienced. We have to be willing to do what the biblical church did and to align ourselves with what it means to be a New Testament church. So this is exciting. God's design for us as a local church is for his will to be done and to be done through us. This is reiterated through the New Testament over and over. We have letters that are written not to the global church, though it's used now for all the Christians, but those letters were applied and written to local churches that had pastors and elders and leaders within them. And so the letters of the New Testament are about the local church, a church just like ours. And so our pastors today... We need to ask the question, what is a actual biblically healthy church? What is a good local church supposed to be? And so I want to look at the first, the model of that from the new covenant church that Jesus designed for, for our protection, for our provision, for us to, to be able to see God do the miracles that we saw in the, in the New Testament, to see them manifesting in our own lives. Now, we won't cover all of it today, but I want to look at three points today. So Acts chapter 2, this is the new, the new Covenant Church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All of the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. 
This is the model of the new covenant church. So we know after Jesus completed his work, the Holy Spirit shows up in people's lives. And the people of God and the church of God spring into being with with fervor and excitement. They weren't falling asleep in church. They weren't falling asleep with, with whatever. They were excited because they were a part of something that God was doing. Supernatural things began to take place. There was an excitement that was pulsing in their hearts and, and their families. And it was, they, they just couldn't wait to gather together to seek God. The mundane things of their life that distracted them and, and made them grumpy no longer mattered. Because they understood, I am a part of the family of God. God has called us to be a part of, of bringing forth his message in his heart to the rest of the world. And there was something that when you look at the first local church, there's something that stands out to me. And it's this. The leaders of the first local church kept the main thing, the main thing, the main thing. They kept the main thing, the main thing. Everything that God was doing for all the, all the years leading up to this point, they saw it and they said, this is why God established the church because he brought forth his son so that we can proclaim the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ and we can allow his spirit to move in our midst and to do something great. The reality is this. We live in a world where we have an enemy. Everybody knows that, right? And we have an enemy who hates the local church. Because the local church functioning in the biblical model of a church has spiritual authority over their local community. We walk in an authority. We change the atmosphere because we're here. Because we exist and gather. We, there are demonic powers that can no longer have strongholds in our area. When we gather and, and align ourselves in the way the Bible tells us to align ourselves as a church, we together begin to see God bring deliverance and use us in power as we, as we live our lives, as he calls us to live our lives. And the truth is this, if the enemy can't deceive a local church or deceive a pastor who teaches, if he can't do that, he will bring what I have seen over and over and over again that something that diminishes the authority of a local church and the local believer. And that's called a distraction. And the enemy distracts local churches. One, because he doesn't want a church to have spiritual authority over a certain area. He wants the church to be limited and to spin their wheels about on things that really don't, don't align them to the biblical church. So he distracts them by hijacking the main thing, which is what the Bible says the church is to be. He, he distracts them through division, through infighting, through gossip, through slander. And most, most divisions, I want you to think about this for a moment. Most divisions in a local church, if you've ever been a part of a church that there was a division or, or something happened, most of those divisions and infighting and strife are based on something that is not the main purpose of the New Testament church. It's about something else. That's no coincidence. 
That's why the purity of the purpose of the local church must be guarded diligently. So the question isn't in a church, in a local church like us, isn't what do we want to do? The question is, what does God want to do in our church? Amen? What is God's main thing? When we look at the scriptures from Genesis all the way up to the New Testament, what is the message of God? What's the main thing? What is it that's the passion of God? What is it that existed in God's heart before the world ever existed? And we find that the main thing that resonates deeply in the heart of God is his very own passion, his own son, that he sent to die to give his life so that you and I can live. And that son in his death and and burial and resurrection who possessed all power and all authority rose from the dead. And before he ascended, he gave all that authority to the believers that are to function in the local church to carry out the will and the purpose of God on the earth. And God says, "If if you will focus on doing that, then I will be in your midst. And the enemy says, oh, if I can distract you from that, then you won't do anything. And so for me, as as the lead pastor here, my, my heart and our pastoral team and elders, our hearts are to deeply lean in to the purpose of God for our church. And we don't ask each other, hey, what do you want to do? Hey, what do you want to do? Hey, what's your passion? Hey, you writing any good books lately that we can maybe do at the church? Hey, you've seen the YouTube videos? We, we, we don't have those discussions. We ask the one who owns the church. We ask the one who laid his life down for the church. We recognize that not one of us has spilt one drop of blood for this church. But Jesus purchased us by his own blood. Therefore, he's the owner. Therefore, he tells us what to do. And we look to his word to define what that means. We know Jesus holds all the ownership. He he holds all the say. He has all veto power because we fully belong to him. Whether, whether or not that causes us to be ridiculed or it causes us to be, to, to be slandered or criticized, that doesn't matter. What matters is Jesus said it, therefore we will obey it. And that's the heart of the New Testament church. For all of us as a New Testament church, those of us who call faith church our home, our number one goal, our number one purpose is to follow Jesus, do what he says, Allow our gatherings to honor him and to honor scripture and to follow him. 
Because Jesus loves the church. He loves us. He serves us faithfully. And we love Jesus. And we serve Jesus faithfully because we are his people. And we are a local church that's called Faith Church. And he has all right to do what he wants in, it, in the midst of us. Amen? And God invites us to that reality. And I'm very excited about what God has for us. I'm very excited about what God is going to do in our future. I love you. I pray for you every day. I pray for your families. I pray for this, this church. I, I commit my, my life to you. And I'm humbled to be a part of this church and to seek Jesus together. I'm humbled to have the opportunity to be an under-shepherd to the great shepherd. And God wants to do something in our midst. And that's why we are devoted to be Jesus-centered, spirit-led, biblically sound, and healthy church, both in word and in deed. So how do you know that you're a part of a Jesus-centered, spirit-led, biblically sound, healthy church. What are those? What does the Bible say? So I wanna, I'm gonna talk to you today from, from, from I'm not gonna talk to you, and we're gonna talk to, together today from Acts chapter two and defining the descriptions of a Jesus-centered, spirit-led, biblically sound, healthy church. It's, we are the only organization on the face of the planet that is ordained and called by God to bring hope and life to a dying and hurting generation. So if we want what we see in Acts chapter two, if we want what we see in the New Testament, we need to be willing to align ourselves to what the scripture says we should be. And number one, a description of a Jesus-centered, spirit-led, biblically sound, healthy church, number one, there is a devotion to the preaching and to the teaching of the word of God. Peter in Acts chapter two, standing with the 11, he lifted his voice and he addressed them. He was preaching, lifting his voice, speaking with passion, speaking with fervor. So there's the preaching of the word of God. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now there's teaching, there's explaining, there's, there's, there's a different type of, of communication, but it's teaching. So a church that's aligned to the biblical model is, a, is devoted to preaching and teaching the word of God. What this is meaning about the church in Acts 2 and the church that, that is aligned biblically is that everything they did and everything a church does that, that puts the word of God front and center means everything they do is informed by the word of God. And based on Peter's sermons and, and the earlier sermon, the apostle taught about the Messiah from the scriptures. Again, it was all about Jesus. It wasn't about some something to Jesus. It wasn't about some something to something else. It was all about Jesus. It wasn't about tradition, it wasn't about what they used to do, it wasn't about the law, it wasn't about what their heart was and their wishes were or what Aunt Susie would really like to see in the church. 
What they did and how they did it, did it and what they taught was based on the scriptures. And they had the spirit at work in their midst. I mean, they had, things were happening. It was wild and fun and awesome. But in the midst of that spirit moving and God changing lives and healing people, in the midst of all of that, they did not abandon the preaching or the teaching of the Bible. They didn't say, oh, no, hang on. The spirit just keep moving. Spirit. We're not, no, they taught the word and the spirit moved. They taught the word and the spirit moved. So healthy churches have a genuine move of God when they are committed to preach, teach, and study the word of God. The truth is this, there has not been a revival on the face of the planet that came about by any other means than the preaching of the word of God. And when that, the word was preached, what happened is it cut to the hearts of, of those who heard it. And the apostle Paul, he was, he was the, he, when I loved the apostle Paul in his, in his journey, spirit led, I mean, he went places because the spirit said, go there. He didn't go places because the spirit said, uh-uh, don't go there. He went to Rome because he's going to go die. Well, do you have to listen to the spirit for that one? He's like, yep, got to listen to the spirit. He went and died. He was led of the spirit. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He planted churches all throughout Asia and Europe. He was supernaturally disciplined by Jesus. And do you know the main thrust of his ministry? It was preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was center to his life. He writes in 1 Corinthians, I decided, listen to this. He said, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. This was probably, he, this man was a genius. He said, no, 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 no. I decided to know nothing except Jesus and him crucified. Paul continues to tell pastors as he writes them letters. He, he tells Titus and Timothy who are pastoring local churches to teach sound, sound doctrine to the people because there is no substitute for it. And sound doctrine always goes back to the message of the Savior, Jesus Christ. Healthy churches led by healthy pastors do not preach opinions or agendas or something they like or something someone else liked or something their wife likes or something their uncle likes. No, no. They don't, they don't preach, they don't, they don't approach the word of God in a way to entertain or to play with people's emotions or to build earthly kingdoms. Godly pastors leading the church must see and embrace their role as God's spokesperson with the desire to please an audience of one, Jesus and for godly pastors, there, there's, a, there's an understanding that the decisions that are, that are made are to be based from the scriptures. And what is taught and preached is to be based from the scriptures. The whole Bible 
Not this little thing, oh, I'm really passionate about this one. We're going to preach this for all the time. Or I'm going to weave this in every time I preach something. I'm just going to bring it back to here. There's an old joke of a Baptist preacher who said, everything, he said, no, everything in the Bible, every scripture in the Bible goes back to water baptism. So someone whips out this scripture and what about this one? That the people of God were in the desert. And he said, well, there's one thing that you really want when you're in the desert and that's water to be baptized. So God, God wants pastors who, who aren't weaving their, their one little nuanced thing into everything. If you want to have the supernatural happenings of the, script, of, of the church and the scriptures, you've got to be willing to teach all of the scriptures and all of the scriptures point to Jesus. James 3.1 says, my brothers, and, and he's writing to, to leaders. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Paul tells pastors at the church in Ephesus, he says, pay, in Acts chapter 20, he says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he, Jesus, obtained with his own blood. Godly pastors, if, if, if you want to know if a church is, is right, it, it, do, are, are your pastors, do they believe that the scripture is the baseline and sufficient to build up and bless those who hear their voice? For us as a church, we are committed to align ourselves with scripture. It's not always the popular thing. It's not always the fun thing. It often creates a lot of work on the back end for us to talk to people and counsel with folks and some people leave and some people don't come. But the reality is a biblical church teaches the fullness of the Bible. That who we are as a church is informed by the scriptures and by the spirit. Out of obedience, as Paul just, just, we just read, out of obedience to the one who purchased us with his own blood. Interesting enough, the church of Jesus Christ was birthed in Acts 2 through a sermon. After Peter preached, it happened. People were, were, were cut to the heart and were saved and were baptized. Called them to repent. And there was this supernatural sense God is speaking to us. God is among us. God is moving. And they gave their lives to Jesus. Another description of a Jesus-centered, spirit-led, biblically sound, healthy church. I don't know how many times I can say that, but I'm going to keep trying. Number two, there is a devotion to one another in that church. See, one person can be a Christian, but it takes God's people and a devotion to one another to be a church. We live in a very highly individualistic world. And then when you, then, yes, and then when you come to Colorado, it like, it's like times 10. Like people move here to get away from people. Number three, 
And in our, in our individual, excuse me, in our individual worlds that we each function in. Most are worried about their personal relationship with Jesus than their participation in the family of Jesus. Both really matter. Both deeply matter to God. You can be a Christian by yourself, absolutely. But you can't be the church by yourself. This devotion that we see in this passage, they had devotion to other believers within their church. They cared about them. They contributed, they gave. Part of this devotion for, here, for us at Faith is that there's a, there's a unique special commitment for those here at our, at our church and what we desire, there's a, there's a unique special commitment to the other believers of Faith Church. Yes, yes, you love your neighbors as yourself, but as a church member who calls yourself a member of Faith Church, you're devoted though to your church family. And out of that devotion, we then love our neighbors as, as ourselves so that they would become a part of the church and that we're devoted to them. But there's a special unique devotion that happens in a local church that God calls us to, that he invites us to. And there's great benefit in all of it. Because when we have a church that's like that, we actually all reap the benefits of it. There's an awareness in a church that's devoted to one another of the next generation. There's an awareness that my preferences don't, don't matter. They don't trump what, what is good for the larger body, for the rest of the family. A biblical church is, is, isn't, isn't the one who sits on the, the couch and says, no, I hold the remote and everyone else just watch what I wanna watch. That's not family. It says, hey, what, what do you want to watch? What do you, you want to watch? It's about recognizing that God's called us to be devoted to one another. There are other things that the Bible speaks to local churches and speaks to ours that we can look at. It says, Romans 12, 10, be devoted to one another in love honor one another above yourselves. Now remember, each one of these letters is written to local churches. Galatians 5.13, serve one another humbly in love. James 4.11, do not slander one another. 1 Peter 5.5, 5, clothe yourself with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud and shows favor to the humble. Yes, this is challenging. Everybody say amen to that. It's challenging. The Bible doesn't say, and thus all this is easy. No, it does not. Every, every wedding that I officiate, I get the great honor of officiating the wedding and I'll, I'll, I'll read to the husband, hey, this is your role. And we'll go through the biblical role. Love your wife as Christ loved the church. Laid his life down for her. And he's like, okay, like, whew, okay. That's kind of a big, that's a big, that's, that's, that's a big commandment there. Okay. Wife, as the scripture says, submit to your husbands. Time out. Did you say submit? No, they don't say that. I'm just kidding. You go, oh man, that's, oh. So love your wife as Christ loved the church. Lay your life down for her. Submit to your husband as he submits to Christ. Then it says, 
Also, Scripture says, submit one to another as you follow Christ. And then after I laid out those roles, I said, and just so you're aware, both those things that I've told you, all those things that we told you are totally impossible for you to do. They're like, well, isn't that encouraging? I know, right? But they are impossible without the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. They're impossible. These things of a local church that we're called to do to see God supernaturally move in us and through us, they're impossible. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, you know how many prayer hotlines were actually prayer gossip lines? Oh, don't gossip. Well, but I just want to pray for you. No, you don't. You want to gossip. It takes the Holy Spirit in us to go, you're right, I shouldn't. It takes us growing and leaning in and surrendering and and being a part of what God does as a local church to bring forth his manifestation of his power and his anointing through us that we could do something great together. But we can't do it alone. It's only by his grace. Diedrich Bonhoeffer from his book Life Together says, it is grace, nothing but grace, that we are allowed to live in community with Christian brothers and sisters. That's a true statement. It's only by grace. And I'm so grateful that God has given us a grace to live in community together as a church. I'm so proud of us. Since I've been leading for six years, it's been wonderfully, painfully joyful. And you're like, tell me about it. You're our pastor, you know. This. We've been through a lot. We've had to navigate a lot of things. But in the midst of it, we've seen God's grace unite us. And I'm so proud to be a part of us. I'm so excited for what God has for us. And I'm grateful that Jesus gave his life so that we can be a part of something supernatural. We haven't seen it manifested yet. We haven't experienced what I believe God wants. But I want it. And I believe that God wants us as a church to want it. But we just don't follow as we feel we follow as the word says. Descriptions of a Jesus-centered, spirit-led, biblically sound, healthy church. Number three, there's a devotion to God's flow of leadership. This is the realization that Jesus Christ is the senior pastor of a biblically healthy church. But he has set in local churches roles to take care of the church. Just like husband and wife. Husband, your job is to lead the family. There are roles in a home that Jesus is the head of the husband, the husband is the head of the wife. Well, why does that matter? Because that's the way God's blessing and favor flows. So if a husband says, I don't wanna, I don't wanna lead my home, doesn't matter. You're called to lead it. But I don't, feel, I don't feel like I can. Doesn't matter. God will anoint you to do it. 
It's the same way in the local church. He sets roles. They're not positions of, oh, this has greater value than that. No, it's, that is baloney. It's how God designed the church to function so that you can be blessed and you can be encouraged and we can walk together and we can see God move in our midst. That's God's heart for us. First Peter is writing to the elders of a local church who are shepherding and pastoring. And this is what he tells them. First Peter 5, he says, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. Not because you must, but because you're willing. As God wants you to be not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherds appear, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. This is sometimes it's uncomfortable for me to even talk about this stuff because it, 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 it can seem self-serving. It's not. Listen, I, whether it's me in this role or someone else in a role or me as an elder or someone else, it doesn't matter. This is just the structure of the church like husband, wife, children is the structure of the home. It is what it is. And we live in a society that says, I don't like that structure in my family. Okay. But you will have the consequences of not walking out that structure. And we see it. We see it impacting our society. And so this is God's heart. Because he cares for the flock. See, the story from the beginning of time to the New Testament church was just not to save us and just turn us loose. Yay! It was to set you in a local church where you're cared after, where the word is preached that you can receive, that you are taken care of, that you are ministered to, that when there is a need because of your tithes and your offering, those needs are met. And then as a church, we are reaching our community and we're preaching the gospel and we're reaching the lost and we're making disciples and we're experiencing God's presence together. That's how it functions. That's how it works. But also the same way, there's instructions all throughout Scripture that teachers of the Word are held to a higher standard. The pastors of the church have a responsibility, not because you must, but because you ought and you should not be. This, this is not about position. It's not that you're the lead leader. No, you're the lead servant. There's also instruction to congregation. And this is, this is the, the New Testament church. This is why they experienced what they experienced. And Hebrews 13, 17 says, obey your leaders and submit to them. Now this word submit, as I tell every married couple, this, this word submit just means this. It just means allow yourself to be protected by the role that God's asking them to be in. This is not a, a, a lesser value, same value. Everybody, same value, different responsibilities. So obey your leaders and allow yourself to be protected by them for they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. For that would be of no advantage to you. Some people say, I don't need a pastor. Okay. It's your choice. But who's watching your soul? The Holy Spirit? That sounds great. Just like golf 
on a Sunday is church, but it's not in the Bible. And if we live in a society that we don't like this because we're prideful. But this is just how God designed it. I didn't design it. God did. And our our desire here is to honor the Lord, to follow him, so that we can see his hand move in our midst. So that your souls are well taken care of. That your lives are transformed by the preaching of the word, by the devotion of the body. That when you're in need and you can talk to a pastor, you can receive pastoral prayer and advice. That we together, other leaders in the church can minister to one another. That's God's design. But it all flows from this devotion, this understanding we need the word. Jesus is our leader. We follow him. And together we submit to one another as God has given us the role to do so. And when you have a biblical flow of a, of a church from who we worship to why we worship to why scripture matters we begin to see that there's a flow of God's favor there's a flow of God's heart there's a flow of God's provision there's a flow of God's presence that the nowness of God is among us And even in a room like this, there's a sense that God is with us. That even in our hearts, whether we like to hear something or not, there's a sense that the Holy Spirit is confirming this and I can feel it. As we gather in a room like this and we worship and we hear the word and we pray together, there's a sense of these these are my people. And I'm devoted to them. I may not know all of them, but I'm devoted to them. There's a sense that, God, you're with us. And what we want is God's will and purpose for us as a church. We don't want to fake it till we make it. We don't want to make decisions that make it look like we're succeeding, but really we're not. We want the genuine move and heart of God to be in the midst of us because God wants that for you. You are the sheep of his pasture. You're his flock. So we want God to have his way, amen? We want him to move. And so as we step into the New Testament, we see that there is, there's, a, there's, a, there's a model of which God blesses and his favor is poured out. And we at Faith Church, we want that. And we want to continue to follow Jesus. And I, 
desire and all of us leaders desire that you would walk in your full purpose, your full calling, and the full anointing that God has for you. That we together can celebrate everything that God is doing. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for your goodness today. Father, I want to ask you that you would entrust us with the fullness of your spirit, the fullness of your will. And so, Lord, we just we want to just submit ourselves to you today. Lord, if there's any area in our lives that we just need to realign, that we say yes to you. But, Lord, we want to prepare our lives and ourselves for you to move in our midst. That, Lord, you take our local church called Faith Church. That we, as those that you have called here and planted here, would say we're all in. We're all in for what you have. We're all in to follow the scriptures. We're all in for what you want. Even if it's difficult, God, we're all in. Even if it's challenging, God, we're all in. Because we know obedience to your word and your spirit, the reward is the release of your spirit being in our midst, the birth of fresh vision, the excitement of following Jesus reignited. Like the, like the church in Acts 2, there was an excitement because God was doing something. We can't manufacture it, but we do ask that you would do it as we obey you and follow you. God, today I pray that you would bless your people. That today, God, that you would speak to us and you would encourage your flock today, that they would be encouraged and strengthened to know that their church, that you set them in, is committed to following the great shepherd, you. Lord, I ask you today that you would convict us. If there's any areas of our lives that is brought about infighting or division. Lord, if there's any area in, in our church that has been a root of bitterness, if there's any area, God, in, in any of us that has hindered us from being devoted to one another, if there's any area in our hearts or hurt in our hearts that has kept us from coming under the authority that you have established, God, forgive us and cleanse us. Reveal it to us. Lord, we want what you want. So, Lord, today I pray that you would start something new and fresh. That we today, God, would be the church you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand for his word today? If you can, let's stand to our feet today. When you leave today, we're super excited. We have uh, the invite cards for our Christmas services, which are going to be, we're going to have two on, um, excuse me, we're going to have one on the 23rd and two on the 24th. And so the times are on the card when you leave. 
Um, grab some cards. Invite some folks. We believe God wants to do something great. And we will not have church on Christmas morning because we don't want you showing up in your pajamas. That's really why. Uh, no, I'm just, you're like, oh, that's a great idea. No, we're not having pajama day at church. It's not happening. Um, but I love you greatly. If you can, I'd love to pray a blessing over you before you leave. You just lift your hands to the Lord to receive it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for your blessing over your flock. That you would bless them. That you would comfort those who are grieving. That you would heal those who are sick that you would deliver those who are in bondage, that you would restore relationships that are fractured, and that you would give any of us that may have a heart of stone, you'd give us a heart of flesh. May we leave here today knowing that you've got an incredible call. May each one of them hear your voice inviting them into your great future for their lives. Bless them and strengthen them today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.